Welcome to Zila Food. Zila is the German word for soul, so soul food, but Zila food. This podcast is in conjunction with Zila Magazine, an online magazine bridging faith, cultures, and culture. I'm Ali Porti, an American Southern girl who travels and loves talking to people. I'm bringing you conversations from global movers and shakers from somewhere in the world. From these conversations, hopefully you'll be inspired to move and shake too. Thanks for spending time with me today. I hope you get fed. So let's begin. So last week, I had the privilege of over Zoom chatting with uh, Joanne Moody, the president and co-founder of Agape Freedom Fighters. She's also a ordained minister through the Apostolic Network of Global Awakening. And the Agape Freedom Fighters focus on physical and inner healing, uh, leading people uh, through their inner healing, emotional and mental pain, wounds, uh, as well as physical healing. And she leads healing teams all over the world. She teaches, she speaks, she trains, she equips leaders and lay people in various ministry venues and she completed her minute um her book minute by minute on living a life through adversity which covers her near-death experience and her miraculous healing of 14 years of debilitating nerve pain um she's a pretty amazing and phenomenal person who really loves the Lord and who really wants to help people get free from their physical um, or their inner healing needs. And um, you can go on her website, agapefreedomfighters.org. You can learn her amazing story. And I'll also include it with um, with the podcast page, like a link to her CBN interview. And then... Um, The purpose of this interview that we did was just to talk the basics of the prophetic. Uh, We know about the fivefold ministry uh, in the book of Ephesians and the importance of it. And one of the fivefold ministry uh, branches is the prophetic. We often don't think about the prophetic. There's a lot of Christian traditions who just don't focus on it. Um, But I ask Joe some basic questions um, about this fivefold ministry gift and what it means and what it entails and God's uh, plan with the prophetic. Um, so strap up, you know, enjoy. And if you've got deeper questions about the prophetic, you can reach out to me or to Joe and her team at agapefreedomfighters.org. And there are great uh, faith-filled resources out there to teach you more about this fivefold ministry gift of the prophetic and how God speaks to us through dreams and visions and um, the word of knowledge, all for his glory and for the encouragement and blessing of other people, never for our glory. So enjoy this podcast with Joe Moody. So Joe, thank you so much for being able to join the podcast today. It's great to see you, Allie. Thanks for having me on. 
Of course. Um, now, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about the prophetic and the importance and what the prophetic means. But before getting into that, you've got this amazing story. Can you, in two minutes, just yeah. give a bit about your story? Sure. Um, so basically, I, I grew up a Catholic, fell away from the Lord. Uh, I did believe in God. I believed Jesus Christ was the Son of God, but I didn't have any personal relationship with, with the Lord. And I was very self-sufficient and driven in my uh, early early 20s. And uh, it, living that life, accomplishing uh, that sort of became my God. <clears throat> then I had a, a crash collision with Jesus in my early 30s, uh, gave my life to him, became a born-again Christian, and uh, married my husband. And my husband and I uh, had, a, had a child. And in the childbirth, uh, I had a 91-hour non-progressive labor, which injured my pelvis. And over the next 14 and a half years, I would go on to have 13 surgeries. Mm -hmm. In 2005, I had a near-death experience. The condition that I had was called pudendal nerve entrapment, and it's incurable. <clears throat> and I was told by doctors, well, we can try to do this and this. I was on opiates for 14 and a half years, as well as many other uh, drugs for sleep and for uh, trying to move my bowels. I mean, it's just like massive amounts of medication. And because it was not curable, it was always about management. And when I would read the word of God, I would see promises in the word. But And, and I prayed like crazy for everybody. And we, my husband and I were in a Baptist-rooted, uh, non-denominational Christian, but definitely Baptist, uh, for, uh, for those years. And uh, I prayed for the sick, and we had lists for the sick, but I never saw anyone get healed. I mean, I saw people be encouraged. The expectation was always heaven-centric. We're going to heaven, we're going to heaven, you will have trials uh, in this life. Uh, but be encouraged because we're going to heaven. It was always that. And, and then I began uh, in 2013, early 2013, I began reading about miracles and I began reading about things that were happening in the world today in, in different streams and different areas. And I was thinking, well, how come in my Christian life, I have never seen that. That's just weird to me. Uh, and then I, in, in 2013, uh, April, I heard, uh, which is odd to some people, I heard the audible voice of God. That's not that common, but I heard it. And I heard him say, go to Voice of the Apostles, you'll be blessed. That was it. I had no idea what that even was. And I Googled it and it was a conference and it was in Florida. Uh, I traveled. Uh, it was very difficult to get there because uh, any kind of sitting was, was excruciating for me or, or standing. For You're in period. California. So I'm, I'm in California. It was a long flight. But I had a uh, special um, letters from my doctor and uh, approval from the airlines to only have to sit for takeoff and landing. And I rode the rest of the way on my knees and on, with my elbows on the seat because to get pressure off my, off my lower half was the necessary thing. I got to that conference and on the, I was greatly touched by God and greatly encouraged. Uh, a lot of people prayed for me. I would say probably close to 100 people. It was 7,000 people there. I'd never been to anything like it. Uh, and at the last uh, moments of the conference, the last two hours, a man just came up to me and said, uh, I, I would like to pray for you. And uh, he prayed for me, took me through the breaking of vows and agreements and things that I thought about myself, mostly being unworthy to receive the fullness of any kind of healing because let's face it, you know, we're all sinful creatures, which is how I viewed myself. Uh, I really kind of missed the whole point of the atonement, I think, in my Christian life. And, and so when he prayed for me, he led me through that. He also uh, helped me understand what spiritual oppression really was. And he removed that by leading me through the breaking of agreements because we have free will. You know, I, I, I had lent my free will to the enemy to oppress me because I didn't know. And we went through that in the very, very last moments of that. He, he basically just prayed 
that all of this pain and dysfunction in my nervous system would go, and it did. And it's the most radical miracle because it's incurable. Uh, I'd had so many surgeries. I really, there was nothing more, and, and I was facing a 14th surgery. In that moment, everything changed for me. And I realized that I had believed a very weak version of Christianity. And uh, so, so over the next three years, I went back to school uh, and I learned really what God is doing in these days. I, I, just studying what Jesus did and understanding that the kingdom has come upon us was a completely different uh, theology than what I was taught. So I had learned to hear the Lord by journaling with my Bible open every morning during my pain years, almost 15 years, I learned to hear God by laying on the floor. I didn't sleep well because of all the pain. So around four, 3.30 sometimes, I would just lay on the floor and I would listen. I would, I would have the word open, I would read and I would pray and I would just talk to God because he was my lifeline of having, I couldn't stand that level of pain. Some days I just wanted to take my life nerve pain is is horrid mm. and he would come to me in through the word and also through the presence and I didn't have anyone to talk to about it I thought well I'm not going to share this people think I'm whacked and I wrote and I have all those journals today I mean there's I don't know there's hundreds of them in probably I don't know quote probably 90 of them in in those years and I didn't realize <clears throat> he was training me to hear him wow who would know you know so he speaks today because the Lord says, my sheep hear my voice. And when they hear me, uh, I lead them out. So Nothing I realized wasted. all those years, he leads you out. Nothing goes wasted, even in the years of pain. Not a thing. He, and, he your pain and your pain. And your pain. Yes. Pain-free. That's amazing. so great. Yeah. My life is crazy. Crazy good because he's crazy good. And so, you know, if, if, if you're in the midst of any kind of life cycle like that, whether it's emotional or spiritual or it's physical or uh, family oriented, uh, there won't be anything wasted because yeah. he, he's so beyond us and it, it, we just have to hang on to him yeah. for everything. Uh, as I was sharing with you at the beginning of the call, it seems like we have a similar kind of, you come from Catholicism, mm -hmm. I grew up in the Church of Christ and then the Baptist yeah. Church. And we didn't have this understanding of the prophetic. Right. Of, or, or are Catholics good on this? I know that they go. It depends. There, there is a great move of God currently in the charismatic renewal happening. In fact, I'm doing a huge uh, gathering for New Jersey clergy and, and, and lay people for the Catholic Church. But I would say collectively as a denomination, not no. And, in, except on the charismatic side. But the exorcism part of Catholicism? Um, so as, not to get in a whole theological discussion about that, but at, at this present moment, the most Catholics believe in exorcism, but it's only very few priests that do it. So they have no theology currently that a lay person would do that, except again on the charismatic side. I see. So. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So then how did God begin to guide you and give you revelation mm -hmm. about the prophetic and about, uh, you were saying before, understanding atonement and truly understanding Christianity mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the agreements that we unknowingly give the mm -hmm. devil that territory. So how did your eyes? Yeah, I think for, first of all, um, 
there was a, right after I got, I got saved, there was a very short stint where my husband and I went to a charismatic church. Um, and during that time, I was introduced to several different aspects of the, of the charismata of speaking in tongues and things like that. But to be honest with you, there wasn't a real heavy uh, theological uh, position of the church. And my husband and I uh, found that a little challenging. So um, we, we ended up moving to Northern California. But during that time, I did see uh, some things that were, were not necessarily explained theologically. And I'm a digger and a researcher, and I need to have something to hold on to. I can't just go, oh, that's good. Let's go that way, because I, I'm just not that kind of person. So I think I, was, I saw things that were uh, God's glory in action during those days, which was brief. And then when my husband and I moved north and, and of course, had this situation with my health, uh, I realized that I had missed a lot of things, even on my own, as I was reading the Gospels. I realized that I missed that uh, Jesus said, it's better I go away and I leave you with my spirit. And because then there is this relationship thing that's happening, I, I realized that I, I was really quite religious, that I would pray things that were just perfunctory and rote and all that. And the more that I read the Gospels, I realized every moment that Jesus had, he stole away to be with the Father. And that's the model. And I realized that in my life tucked away in pain, that's exactly what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so in those days, I, I, although I didn't realize all of the aspects of the atonement until after I was healed, I realized that I had uh, missed the whole idea that Jesus came to restore us to the Father as a son and a daughter so we would have the richness of hearing him through the Holy Spirit. Somehow the Holy Spirit got left completely out of, the, of every the theological thing that we were doing in church. It was always, a, oh, yes, the Holy Spirit. Oh, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, but there was never a mention of the Holy Spirit being a person, being the one that we interface with. Mm -hmm. So in my quiet time, understanding that the gospel has the fullness of Christ in the Holy Spirit, and what happened at Pentecost? I was locked in Acts for a year and a half, just going, what, what happened here in chapter two? When the Spirit of God came down on the people, what in the world did we think was happening there? And so for those who were preaching in, in my church and all around me, that that ceased, then I had to wrestle down, okay, what did I see in that little charismatic church that my husband and I went to? I saw people get healed. I felt the presence of God. I knew that there was some other thing, but we were looking at the word of God as a study, not the person of God as an, as an interaction, mm -hmm. not as a relationship. So I would say the greatest aspect of growth for me was, was the time of listening to God and writing and being with him, but then not being able to share that with anybody was odd, except for my one friend who also did the same thing. When I got healed, and went back to school, I started to see the light of the atonement in this way. I started to see that God said to eagerly desire every spiritual gift. My church had left out all the gifts <laughs> except for three. And I was like, wait a minute. If we're supposed to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, mm -hmm. so that all may be encouraged. I thought, well, wait a second. 
<laughs> if we're all supposed to eagerly desire prophecy, that's why we're all running around doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result, and that's insanity. We're all talking about our problems. We're all sending everyone to counseling. And I, I was like, this is a powerless gospel. I have believed a powerless gospel. And I, I started in school. I was digging through the prophetic and looking at the word of God. And then I learned how to give words of knowledge. I learned how to understand that God gives us impressions or information. It might be a picture, might be a feeling, it might be a dream, it might be something that rolls across your brain as a ticker tape, it might be just a word, uh, it might be scripture. These are all clues to what God is about to do, and he invites us along, partner, arm in arm, to do this thing. That's the prophetic. And I realized, oh my gosh, Lord, I have been doing this all my life. Yeah. And I somehow attributed that I knew things. I was perceptive. I thought that was me. <laughs> it wasn't me at all. That was him. My whole life. Perception is part of the gift mm -hmm. because it's called discernment. Mm -hmm. Knowing when to apply what in what hour is discernment and wisdom. That's him. That's the spirit of God. I think uh, it's because when we, we weren't raised around it and mm -hmm. we don't realize that, that those perceptions are, have been Holy Spirit all along, yes. that God begins to, especially when he knows the mantle that he's going to put on yes. a human's life, he will lead them into that greater revelation. Like yes. me living in my parents' house for 18 years and I went to university in Washington, D.C., still going to a Baptist church didn't know anything about the prophetic but then when I went to get my master's in London and I'm going to this church and they had this moment where people could come up and say you know what the Holy Spirit was giving them and I see a picture and there's a deer in the woods and he's you know, and I'm like, You're like ah, get me out of here speaking <laughs> in tongues and I'm like let me get my bag and go because I was told as a child that I could feel the presence of the yes. Lord in the services, people with their hands held high. And I grew up in a Southern Baptist oh, church, yeah. so a white church. So there's no, none of this. And I'm like, wow, what's going on here? And then I really wanted to have a relationship with God where I could be raising my hands during praise and worship. And God began to deal with me. I had my own issues that had to be dealt with slowly, slowly. And then he was just growing me in the prophetic. And then I began, maybe, I think it was 2017, like just speaking in tongues myself. And I was I was stubborn against it, like, mm -mm, I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to do it until he just really kept working on me until one night I began speaking in tongues and the tears were just rolling. Yeah. yeah. Then dreams started coming in yep. 2017. I prayed for dreams and visions and then I got scared and I said, God, don't give me dreams or visions. But then he- I think we've all done that. God, do that. No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> until he began to lead me back into prayer with a loving arm and I've had over 90 dreams since January 2017 I write them all down all the time and it's amazing so awesome. growing and then growing in visions as well yes I'm still growing in the prayer mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it is real it is it is very real it is not some fairy tale mm -hmm. thing and I know that a lot of our Christians Christian brothers and sisters, you know, still don't agree with it. It's okay, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, but it, it's so amazing having that. So a basic question, what is the prophetic? 
The prophetic is the ability to hear the relevant word of God, the rhema, the fresh word of God for uh, a person or for yourself or for a people group or for uh, something that God is planning on doing. The rhema word of God was not just his written word. It was the experience of, of, of him. And so I believe that we have to anchor everything in the logos because if we get a word and it does not line up with, with the word of God, and if we have a vision, it doesn't line up with the character and nature of God, how could it be God? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when Paul writes about testing words, he means it. He means look back at the anchor, everybody. Check that out and see. But God has always spoken to his people. He's a family man. He loves, he's not a man that he should lie, but he is a God of family. And he loves to speak today because it gives us a constant assurance that it is not by power, not by might, but by his spirit that everything expands. And when he said, take the gospel, in Matthew 28, Jesus said, do as I have modeled for you. Do, go out and do exactly what I'm doing. Bring the word and the demonstration. The thing that I think that is so it just floors me that I missed for my whole Christian life. When he said, go and do likewise, bring the word, but bring the demonstration. Well, I, I, I look at that now and I just laugh. I think, what, what, was I asleep? Yes, I was. I was asleep to the voice of the Lord for his will to want to bring his word forth in signs, wonders, and miracles. Because there is the passage that says signs, wonders, and miracles will follow all who believe is the demonstration of the prophetic nature of God in action through an ordinary human being. Yeah. We're only worthy through the righteousness of Christ. And the problem with, with the challenge, I should say, with religion is that it always views oneself under the sin gospel. It doesn't view oneself under the gospel of reconciliation. We, we stop with religion on the gospel of repentance. We've missed the gospel of reconciliation. Jesus reconciled us. And you know that passage that says, blessed are, and it's Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. The peacemakers are the reconcilers. You go and you give a word to somebody mm -hmm. anchored in the word of God, but the demonstration of the spirit, you have now joined their hands with Jesus. You have now said, hey, you're seen, you're known, you're valued, you're priceless. Here is Jesus. And that leads them, free will, maybe they could deny it, whatever. But I rarely see uh, a prophetic word that is right, that is correct, based on, I've, I rarely see it not produce fruit, maybe 0.5% of the time. And that's usually the person comes back around within a day or two and goes, I got to talk to somebody. <laughs> The relevant word of God for this day, for that person, this movement, this, this church, this region, your business, your family, whatever, the rhema word of God is the prophetic nature of God in this hour. Yeah, amen. Um, you mentioned uh, legal agreements earlier yeah. when you were telling about your testimony, and it's something that God has been dealing with me during this quarantine mm -hmm. time to renounce legal agreements that I have given the enemy lies that I chose to believe and yeah, repenting yeah. those. What is, or what are legal agreements mm -hmm. and how do you renounce them and, 
get that covered with the blood of Jesus to walk yeah. in. So just to keep it brief, um, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, whether you believe in the gifts, you don't believe in the gifts, God is a covenant God. And Jesus came in fulfillment of the law. There are very particular things in the law that Jesus said, I came not to condemn, but I came in fulfillment of the law. So what happens is in some camps, people forget completely that the law is still in order, whether you recognize it or not. The enemy was cast out of heaven and a third of the angels fell. We know that it's in scripture, it's recorded. So when we read that the enemy plans to uh, kill us and destroy us, the way that he does that is through acting on legal agreements. So because God is a covenant God, the law is working, reaping and sowing, uh, forgive as you've been forgiven. The, the, these things are like, they're like gravity. You don't see gravity, you just know it's there. The law is the same. You might not see it with your natural eyes, but it is there. So the enemy doesn't have authority over your life unless you give it to him because you are the son, you are the daughter of God. So therefore you are not condemned anymore unless you say, hey, I am a wretch. I'm worthless. I can do nothing right. The power of life and death is in the tongue because that's where agreement comes in. It might be your thought processes, but listen, if you're thinking that you are worthless, let's use that because that's the number one thing Christians do to themselves. The second thing is you start judging everybody around you through a lens of, of religion, not through these people are lost and God loves them just the same. And so you start casting judgment on people and you're thinking it and then you reinforce it with your tongue. These become open doors for the enemy to oppress you because God says what? Forgive 70 times seven with a life of forgiveness. He says, honor your mother and father where there's one. People who've had rough upbringings. I mean, you know, I'm a pastor. I hear it all. And, and it's just awful what human beings can do to one another. And when someone grows up in a in highly, highly dysfunctional, uh, they, they speak about their parents with dishonor. I'm not saying that's even wrong. That, that seems justifiable as a human being. But Jesus says, bring them to me, give them to me, forgive them. Let me be the just judge. Get out of the way. Mm. Get out, move. Because as soon as we stand here judging, we, Jesus has no access to those people because we have held on to contempt in our heart and judgment. We basically sit above them and look down and go, you, you, you. Jesus goes, it's not a feeling, it's a choice. Choose to forgive them this way, you and me, and hand them over to me. So when we hand them over to, to Jesus, we're out of the way. Now he can deal with them. And that repenting of that judgment breaks that ability for the enemy to come in and oppress you. So if you go back to the law, which no charismatic Christian likes to look at, but we have to because it is still foundational to God's covenant. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's, and it's simply saying, Father, uh, forgive me where I have uh, said I am worthless. I want to die. I am stupid. I hate my parents or I hate this person. I, you're taking back those Simple. words. Yeah. And it's repenting and then giving the legal authority into God's hands. Exactly. And basically saying, Lord, whatever 
uh, weaponry of the enemy, whatever assignment of the enemy came in on my judgment or came in on my fear, came in on my uh, lack of willingness to forgive myself or, or somebody, I break the power of that right now and I send back this whatever this is. I mean, however you want to, it's just simple. Don't make it a, you can't make that a rote thing either. It has to be from the heart. Sure. So it, in my case, when, when I was prayed for, the, the biggest thing that I had uh, had was my own unworthiness. So I repented of that, similar to what you just said. But the other thing was that I had had so much trauma mm -hmm. uh, from pain and, and even my near-death experience meeting the Lord, I still had trauma. I mean, the pain stuff I went through was horrendous and it, and it trauma uh, can end up manifesting in the cells. So as a high level emotional situation with pain, things happen to your cells. And so if that stays long enough, sometimes it can invite a spirit of trauma. Not every trauma invites spirit. I'm just saying, if, it, if your brain begins to think in terms of trauma, it's your whole respiratory system changes, you come into this fight or flight response and you are no longer operating in a state of peace. And when that happens for a long enough time, it sometimes invites greater sickness. Mm. And, and you can look at that physiologically, but you also need to take a look at it spiritually. If in my case, there was a spirit of trauma there that when I renounced all of the, uh, the, the agreements that I had about myself and even being angry at God because I buried that thing so, so far down. I, I was angry at God because I said, you could heal me, but you won't. Mm -hmm. But then deep down, I thought, well, you won't because I'm not worthy. So mm -hmm. it was a very mixed up dialogue in my mind, a mixture of, my, of some of my upbringing, but also a mixture of my understanding of God in my Catholicism and then an understanding of God in my in the Baptist, it was it was a lot of mixed up, which is the way it is with most people. So mm -hmm. renouncing those belief systems, those lies, and then accepting the forgiveness of God breaks the power of the enemy having access to you. The enemy, if you belong to Jesus, the enemy doesn't own you, but boy, he can harass you. Something yeah. fierce. Yeah, that's true. Uh, two last uh, key yeah. questions. Just as um, there's godly prophetic, am, is, am I right in probably saying there's a That's demonic true. prophetic? Yes, Everything yes, it would be. Makes, <laughs> you know, he can't go create his own thing, you know. So he creates a false uh, identity of that. And so we have religions that have been founded on a demonic prophetic. Oh, yeah. Dreams are a type of prophecy. Uh, or an example, uh, word of knowledge. So, you know, faiths have been founded on dreams and whatnot. So um, what would you say to somebody or how would you explain demonic pro prophecy so that people can be aware and understand what that means and how to stay away from it? Yeah, I think just to keep it really simple, um, since we know you're like, oh boy, here we go. The word, the word of God never returns void. Yeah. If it's truly from the Lord, it's truly Yahweh, it is truly El Elyon, it is truly Emmanuel God with us, it's truly Jesus Christ, then it has to bear fruit that gives glory to God. I think the very 
easiest way to tell when it is not from the Lord is it points the people back to the person giving the word, or it keeps people in bondage to that religious order, which is really a cult. Let's just call it what it is. It keeps people in bondage by a set of rules and regulations and things that don't actually, that aren't true about God. And the fruit of that, uh, whatever that ministry is or that person, isn't actually reflecting God. It isn't bringing people closer to Jesus. It's actually keeping them captive to this religious order or to this person. I've seen it so many times. And you can step back and go, okay, before you ever receive a prophetic word from anyone, look at the fruit of their life. Yeah. And just because someone releases a prophetic word to you and they go, thus saith the Lord, you're like, yeah, no way. That doesn't even mean anything to me. The person receiving the word is the one who judges whether that is accurate or not. Yeah. But you must know, you must know God and you must know his word or you wouldn't have a clue whether it, I have known so many people who've gone over the edge prophetically because they stopped reading their Bible. Mm. They stop really spending time with the Lord. They start listening to all these other people giving them words and we only see in part, right? We are, our little sliver of the prophetic is just meant for encouraging. And the, met, the, the method by which you grow in that is, first of all, your willingness to risk. And second of all, your, your willingness to be corrected, your, your willingness to be wrong. If you have an idea about the prophetic that you could live without it, you will. If you go after it, understanding that everything that you release that god gives you the honor of releasing <clears throat> is to point people back to jesus Amen. then you're a lot more careful about running around going you know and it should never be a thus saith the lord yeah by your word you will be account you will be accountable it should be a hey you know i have this impression about something or hey can i encourage you it should yeah when we train our people we're like hold up <clears throat> yeah last question um, how, if somebody is wanting to know, how do they go deeper into the godly mm -hmm. prophetic? I knew mm -hmm. I was at that kind of crossroads myself, mm -hmm. not having the tools growing up in a denomination that didn't teach on it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where to start. Yeah. But, um, so how would you encourage somebody who real, and it's probably already happening to them, you know, if they're oh, I'm sure. Lord, it's yeah. already happening, but they don't know that it's happening. Yeah. How would you? Yeah. So we, we tell all of our, uh, all of our people. And, and when I'm speaking about the prophetic, I talk about being rooted and grounded in love, but being rooted and grounded in the identity that Jesus gave you. So you've really got to spend time with the Lord going through Romans, going through Ephesians and understanding what Jesus actually gave you. Because the stronger you are in him, in the identity that he gave to you, the less uh, captivated you will be by something strange that the enemy sends your way. So to grow in the prophetic is to know God and to know who you are. That is the primary thing. And it only comes out of relationship. If you're seeking the gift for itself, because you want to be like, wow, I want to know, you know, uh, that person's child's name, or I always laugh because I get dogs' names because I ask. And uh, you know, I want to know that person's dog's name because I want to go wow them. If that's how you're going after it, then you are a prime candidate for the enemy to come and deceive. It always has to be about what are we doing it for? 
What are we doing it for? We have to grow in our relationship with God. The prophetic, uh, the other part of growth, um, if God calls you into a season of being tucked away, you cannot find your relevance by having this prophetic gift. If you start finding relevance in the gift, you've forgotten the giver. And a lot of times, and you'll start prophesying out of your flesh. We, we have to stay completely connected to him in every way. And then we grow because we're walking with God all day long. So if you, if you want to grow in the prophetic, spend time with the Father. Spend time with the Lord Jesus. He will tell you what's on his heart. Because if you and I are hanging out, Allie, and, and I'm just talking about you, and I never talk to you, how do I know you? Yeah. And people do that with God all the time. I used to teach about if my husband and I are married for this 22 years, and he sits on the couch, and I walk around the couch and talk about how great Mike Moody is, but I don't sit with him, how will I know what's on Mike's heart? I will never know. Yeah. And that's how you grow in the prophetic. What is on your heart today, Lord? Who do you want to talk to? Make me a vessel. Make me a, make me a simple vessel of love. And as you walk along, you will have these sudden, interesting moments where you look over at somebody and you go, oh my gosh, I don't know why I feel like that person right there, I just feel a warmth in my heart for that person. It might be in an airport, you might be at school. And I will guarantee you, if you start acting on those, not weird impulses, godly impulses, and you walk over to that person, the Lord will give you an encouraging word. And you might not think it's prophetic, but just to simply tell someone, hey, that color looks great on you today. I'm telling you, that's prophetic. Because the Lord wants to have you give away love and encouragement as a product of the fruit of being in intimacy with him. Yeah, and I heard John Paul Jackson say something very similar. And he said, if you don't know what to say, just say, can I pray for you? Exactly. Exactly. I I do that all the time. God sends me up to people. And sometimes I think, why are you sending me over here? I don't know what I'm going to say. And then normally, if I'm just myself, I'm just friendly. Then I get something after I'm just saying, hey, your hair is amazing. And I'm not going to say somebody's hair is amazing, but I don't think it is. It's an authentic thing. of, And those, sometimes I say, hey, do you have neck pain or something? I mean, this is early years. And the person would say no. And then I would think, oh gosh, I got that wrong. Ah, But then they would say, why? And I would say, "Um, you know, this might be weird to you, but I am practicing hearing God. And then it starts this whole conversation. And then because of my willingness to be vulnerable, God usually gives me what's really going on with them. Yeah. So it's a willingness to be humble, mm-hmm. flexible, be a person of peace. And when, when you go out among people, look for that person of peace. Why, why do I say that? Because it's very clear in the Gospels. When God is on somebody, there is a holy attraction. And it happens the more you pay attention to it. Yeah. And you, 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 I know you know that because you've been practicing growing in this. Exactly. Yeah. It's those strong impressions and mm-hmm. Holy Spirit will guide. He does. Yeah. And lead. Yeah. The last part of it is not to add some type of meaning that you find interesting to the word you just gave. Okay. Because it's very important to just release what God said. Mm-hmm. not add a bunch of stuff to it. Because when you add your own understanding of what you just said, you usually throw the person way off okay. into the deep end. 
I see. Yeah. So when, if, if God tells you, you know, go to this person, they're having neck pain, you just focus on the neck pain. Exactly. You don't go talk about other things, especially if they start expanding on the neck pain. I had this car accident because I was beating my wife and da -da -da. Well, yeah. well yeah. you have the neck pain because you're beating your wife and da -da 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 -da. Right. right. I mean, it's, it, it, think about the moment where, where is God? What is he highlighting? What is he doing? Um, we, we teach our teams. I always tell them about all my mistakes that I've made in the early years because they are such teachable moments. I, uh, I, I had a moment in a, where I saw a woman holding a muffin in her hand. And instead of saying, I see you standing there holding a muffin in your hand, I, I said, do you bake? What a weird thing to say. But I was so worried about being wrong. And she, she looked at me like I had four heads and she goes, no, I don't bake. And then I was completely thrown and I, you know, it just got worse. But in the end, the Lord just gave me an impression. He said, why, why did you just do that? Why don't you go back to what I showed you? So when I said, hey, I see you with this muffin in your hand and there's a pink piece of paper underneath of it. She goes, I work in the bakery. I was like, oh, gosh, well, I just threw you way off because I said, do you bake? And, you know, anyway, it was, it was something to break through so she could receive healing because she, she said this word over and over to me. I do not think God sees me. I do not think he cares about me. I said, well, I've never seen you before. I should have said right in that moment, I see you holding a muffin in your hand and you're standing there in front of some kind of counter. She would have known that God would have always seen her at the bakery. But instead I said, do you bake? Which totally made her upset. So when we circled back around when I did the right thing, it was the breakthrough and her feet got healed because yeah. her feet, she couldn't move forward in her life. She was so stuck. And it was so fascinating that just to be seen in your everyday job that you don't like, but you're doing it because you need the money, that God seeing her unlocked that he actually does want her to move ahead. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, you just stick on, stay on point. Stay on point. <laughs> Maybe we should wear a sign around our necks that say that. That would be really good. <laughs> yeah, we, we're fearful of of uh, being wrong or Error. being stupid or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but our relevance again. I go back to that with the prophetic. Our relevance can never be found in how effective was this word. Mm -hmm. No, because when the gosh, the scripture that's just like like electric in my soul is that when the when the demonic bowed to the name of Jesus when the disciples prayed, they came running back to Jesus and said, "You're not going to believe what happened! Oh my gosh, these demons flew out of these people because we said your name." And Jesus said, yeah, that's good, but don't be enamored with that. Be enamored that your names are written in my book. Yeah. We yeah. have got to stay focused on who is in charge here and what is the purpose. Yeah. We cannot find relevance. It's so fun to operate in the prophetic, and I believe it is one of the greatest gifts of God. But so is preaching the word. So is evangelizing. So, so is uh, the apostolic of launching people. The fivefold ministry is the perfection of God in an imperfect human being to yeah. bring forth his kingdom to the ends of the earth. And prophecy is largely left out because we don't know how to move in it. But the word is clear. But, but uh, the devil really knows how to move in the prophetic. And then people who, I don't know if you've heard of Nancy Cohen, mm -hmm. um, who 
the devil will get you with the prophetic because maybe people try and go to their pastors first and then the pastor's like oh no that's that's evil but they know there's something inside of them that mm -hmm. they gifting that's spiritual that's prophetic mm -hmm. and then they turn to darker forces. craft and and the occult and yeah it's on the and we teach our teams not to pay attention to what the enemy is doing pay attention to jesus and he will override the enemy but at the same time realizing if your church does not operate in these gifts but you're feeling a pull from the lord on your heart find reputable godly theologically sound people that you can have some sort of uh, interfaith connection with, whether it's online or it's in school or uh, Global Awakening has one of the greatest online programs because it's, they have a seminary as well. And so they're going from basic lay people in their certificate programs to graduate degrees, teaching people that the theology of the word of God is the foundation, but then the presence of God is real. So they're one of the greatest uh, at, at teaching uh, how to be grounded in this. And, and it is a heartbreak when your church will not listen. Um, I have had that experience, but you, you must, uh, if you really want to grow in this and you ask the Lord, where can I go? Uh, what, what can I do? Uh, we, we will launch a platform with Agape Freedom Fighters in uh, this September. Mm -hmm. That will be an online apostolic training center for people people who want to grow, people who want to understand the foundation of identity and empowerment, how to move in the prophetic, how to uh, work on prophetic evangelism, how to share Jesus without being weird in your, in your business place, how to bring Jesus in your family. Uh, so we've, we've been working really hard on that for a couple you're of months. You're sitting at the fashion show and you're like, how do I bring Jesus in? Prophecy. Yeah. Because I will tell you in the, the strangest places mm -hmm. where the Lord has just said, go and say this to this person. Mm -hmm. um, whole moves of God uh, are, are grounded always in the word, but there was a young man, uh, just say this last, last thing, um, who I ended up seeing something over his head and it was big block letters in just an impression. And it said president over his head. I saw the back of him in a meeting in the UK and, uh, at the same time, my friend was up pastoring, my friend Blaine, and another pastor was in the corner. So it was a packed out leadership meeting. I, I didn't know this, this young man, but we all went over to him. And at the same time, we all said, do you want the nation of Hungary? It was the strangest thing. Uh, and, and the fire of the Holy Spirit fell on this young man and he fell out on the ground. And it was, it was a profound meeting between God and him. Uh, he is now like a son to me. That was four years ago. Uh, but he and two of his friends have led a university movement of God in the nation of Hungary. But the word president over his head had to do with his legacy. He is the prime minister's son. Wow. Who wow. knows? I, I did not know. And uh, in that moment, uh, I knew what would be on his life. Currently, he's, he's doing uh, his military training. Now he will go to seminary. And he, I believe, will be president of that nation one day. Wow. Uh, but here's what we get to do. We just get to partner with God to release what somebody was already birthed to do. Yeah. That way it's not on you, right? There's no pressure. Yeah. I, I, I felt uh, when you were sharing that, just the Holy Spirit, that's yeah. amazing. It's an amazing story. And he's an amazing young man. And uh, his father is a Cal is Calvinist. He's a, re a reformed theologian. So his father does not even believe in any of this stuff. But 
this young man said, I have to follow the Lord. He's done it with great respect for his parents, mm-hmm. graduated top in his class at law school. Mm-hmm. He has done the right things with honor and, and continually uh, raising up these others underneath of him. Uh, the move of God there is, is really profound among university students. And they were less than uh, 5% were, there's no charismatic that's counted. It's, it's Catholic, 5% Calvinism, and nothing else is, is, is counted there. So when you think about religion, it is a Christian nation, and I applaud his, his father, the prime minister, for continuing to hold fast to their foundation. At the same time, here's a, the birth of a Holy Spirit movement through the son of the prime minister. I mean, what, he has faced the obstacles you can't believe, yet God has birthed fruit from yeah. this life. And it will, go, it will just continue. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Joe, I thank you so much. Thank you, Allie. It's been awesome. It has been awesome. I hope you enjoyed this podcast conversation and that it fed you in some way to pursue your own dreams. Be sure to subscribe to Zayla Mag at ZaylaMag.com, S-E-E-L-E-M-A-G.com, where you'll be automatically entered to win our giveaways. And follow us on Instagram at Zayla Magazine. S-E-E-L-E magazine. Till next time.